How's it going, Pod Goblins? Welcome back to another episode of D20 Tower. My name's Brandon, and I've been writing fantasy and studying improv since I was a kid. My name's Liam, and I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons since I could walk. And now we are going to walk you through our DMing journeys to share the tips, tricks, and stories we've picked up along the way. We want all your games to be fun and engaging for everyone at the table. So prep your adventuring gear, grab your dice, and roll initiative. Let's begin. Welcome, guys. So I hear, these days, the popular thing on the internet going around is tentacles, right? Yeah, unfortunately. Tentacles? Everyone's into tentacles? What's the what's the ratio on that? Uh, I think it depends on if it's a squid or an octopus. I, it kind of like four, six, eight, that... I mean, four is a good number. So we're going to go with squids. Sure. Aren't squids usually four? Uh, actual tentacles? Yeah. They have they have two other arms for that are separate from that. They're not technically so, tentacles. If you and the audience were thinking anything else we were talking about today, you should get your mind out of the uh, beholder-infested sewer we were talking about in a previous episode, because today we're making our way into space and talking about mind flayers. So today we're gonna be specifically talking about the stranger things about mind flayers. So we're going to dive into six offshoots, the the mind flayer and a couple of its minions and slaves. And uh, we're going to dive into just the descriptions of these things, what's interesting about their stat blocks, and um, we have uh, someone special here to discuss the lore with us today. So we're going to be getting into specifically the stat block and the lore for the Mind Flayer itself, but also the interesting interaction that Mind Flayers have with gnomes, of all things, which is one of the most fascinating interactions between creatures probably in all of Dungeons & Dragons, and then some creatures that Mind Flayers create, such as Cranium Rats and Intellect Devourers. They're, I guess, the pets that they like to keep around for use. And then, by lore, actually, one of the things that they've been apparently enslaving for generations, the Grimlocks. All of these are low-level monsters that we can use to kind of introduce your game to Mind Flayers. So we've Which got, are definitely not low-level, but they can be used in really interesting ways. They definitely can. You just have to be careful about throwing at, uh, a Mind Flayer at a level 1 party. But... If I remember correctly, Dr. Dylan, arcane cryptozoologist expert, in your time at university, when you did your cryptozoology thesis, it was around mind flares and illithids, wasn't it? Well, that was definitely one of the topics covered. Um, and... You just did all things tentacles. Is that is that what you're aiming for in your your graduate thesis? Is that why you walk around with a dark mantle on all the time? I mean, I feel like it's a good place to start when you're talking about weird creatures. 
Absolutely. They anything are with really uncomfortable appendages, uh, which are especially popular right now because of Mind Flayers being in Stranger Things and oh, yeah. uh, being a, a major uh, antagonist in Baldur's Gate 3. If you randomly found us because you're expecting Mind Flayer lore from Stranger Things, though, we're not talking about the giant shadow creature in the sky. We're talking about humanoids with squid faces. Sorry to interrupt you, Dylan. Keep going. No, it's okay. Um, humanoids with squid faces and beaks that like deep brains. Uh, Spoiler alert. Well, I mean, we're going to have to cover it eventually. Yeah. It is really important. So for you to picture a mind flare in your head... So mind flayers are called, they're not all just called mind flayers. What, what else? It, I can't remember how to pronounce it. Uh, you're, are you thinking of the term illithid? Yeah, that. Yeah, that's the, the general term for the race. Well, you could call them illithids. You could call them all seromorphs because they're all created through the process of seromorphosis. We've discussed a couple of them in the past. Uh, they don't all have weird names even. The Mind Witness we talked about with you in the past. Yeah. That doesn't have a crazy weird name. I'm sure deep in the lore somewhere it might if you go back far enough though. But we did talk about things that have weird names like the Europhion. And then there's stuff like the Eulitharid and the Neothelid. The Alhoon. And they all have strange spacey squid names. Elitholich. The Elitholich is just funny. <laughs> <laughs> and a particularly nasty one. Nobody likes mixing psionics with necromancy. So, so if, if you're going to go picture a mind flare, all right, in, in the Dungeons & Dragons world, you have a, a humanoid with a squid head. So you have four tentacles snaking down into this, like, tentacle beard it has. But uh, they, they use those tentacles to wrap around their prey's heads and eat their brains. So if you're checking out the stat block of the Mind Flayer, which is in the Monster Manual on page 222. So at first glance, AC of 15, 71 hit points. They don't seem like too scary, They're, but these guys are kind of a glass cannon, wouldn't you say, Dylan? Oh yeah, they're not known for being particularly strong physically. They float everywhere. They use telekinesis to get around. But you can see that in the, the trailer to Baldur's Gate, I think. It like kind of floats into the room before it drops it. Yeah, we'll talk about Ceramorphosis in a second here. But these things are pretty nasty by the stat block. Like, they have magic resistance. They can cast some spells. Sci they have psionics. Like, these... So, like, this is that extract brain thing I mentioned. So, if they get somebody who's incapacitated, the target takes 10d10 piercing damage when it rips its skull off to eat its brain. 10d10 damage. Does it have any way to incapacitate a target? Yeah, so it's got this mind blast ability that's going to hit them to kind of stun them before it moves in for the kill. So it can emit this like psychic energy in a 60-foot cone, and there's an intelligence save of DC of 15, or they take 4d8 psychic damage, and they're stunned for a minute. It's 48 plus four, and stunned for a minute. Stunned for a minute, like you're useless in combat. You, you do have a uh, chance to repeat the saving throw at the end of each of your turns, I believe. But also, let's keep in Thank mind... God, right? <laughs> but let's keep in mind that 
Intelligence is the most frequently dumped stat in 5e. <laughs> really? It's not directly One, tied to it's not skills. T- it's not tied to anything except for your the skills that require them, and there aren't many. No, it doesn't give you more spells. It doesn't do really anything yeah. for you. I mean, wizards will have intelligence. Yeah. Art- artificers will have intelligence, but there's nothing in the game that encourages you in any other format to take it. So I'm actually like pretty sure I've seen like D&D Beyond studies kind of on this where it's like you, the, those are typically mm-hmm. the most frequently dumped stats because everyone needs their primary stat and everyone needs constitution. And then beyond that, so perception's important and like death. Throwing this thing at a party where you might have maybe have one character who's got a good intelligence score. Like this, they can mess them up. Yep. So this is the uh, this is a challenge rating of seven. We definitely don't recommend this throwing at this at low level characters. For but sure. you throw it, you get to uh, with a seven. You're throwing it at them before paladins get their auras. So you don't even get to add those bonuses. Like at high level, it, that becomes a little bit more trivial. But when you're just still dealing with like pre eight, you're not getting those auras and you're not getting a lot of those big buffs in. Still, mm-hmm. maybe the the bard will help one person. So where where do mind flayers come from? Like what what are they? What's their society like? So these things are like nasty, but I you know I feel like you're not gonna. I remember reading the the Driz books by R. A. Salvatore, and I think the early ones have um, have an illithid. I don't remember his name, um, but yeah, what like I, these don't. So I, it's, I, it's I use the, these in my campaigns. Obviously, I'm pretty sure it's in the second book because it's before he escapes. Yeah, he's running around with uh, the rock gnome that has a pick and a warhammer for uh, for hands and he can oh, wow. and he can like guy. and he can like spark them and make <laughs> them magical and do extra damage I forgot and about, wow. they meet a petch that is trans that has been uh transformed into a hook horror and they all get captured and horror. if you read that book the mind flayers are not scary mm-hmm. but i mean i think that Drizzt's also uh, Dritz, a demigod. Drizzt yeah. makes <laughs> yeah. everything not scary. Yeah. So don't think that you can take on a colony of like 15 to 20 of them at low level as you're trying to escape with no gear. That's not going to happen. You will get wrecked. And we, we speaking of getting wrecked, we are going to go through some really cool encounters. So this this is actually part of a series we want to do on mind flayers and we want to give you guys some role play ideas and just like really integrate these into your campaign because they're super cool and there's all the all the offshoots of the mind flare are just like gross and they're they're powerful and fun to use in your world we have a full adventure that we're going to be uh talking about in the next episode but i'll definitely be hinting at it in this episode because i think some of the best ideas we have for how to use these in cool ways will will have to be brought up in this episode so dylan tell me about the lost empire of the mind flayers well there definitely is there's conflicting stories. They're very their their whole history is kind of an enigma overall. Uh, there's a belief that mind flayers realized that they were going to go extinct, and so they used all of their most powerful magic to send themselves and their ships, their spelljammers, back in time to before they had even evolved. Uh, being so 
uh, bereft of information that not even aboliths, who have perfect memory through the generations, by the way, know what they are or where they come from. And aboliths are one of the original creatures in, yeah. in Dungeons and Dragons. Like, before the planets existed, aboliths existed. So for them to not know about it, that's actually ridiculous and wild. And I'm really looking forward to some of that lore coming out with the with uh, Baldur's Gate 3 and the lore that's coming out around it and also the comic books coming out around the same stories. And the Spelljammer stuff is going to also like play into it. That's going to be so much fun. I'm excited. Yeah, these little humanoid Cthulhu's running around space eating brains. So you said they went back in time. They were running from something? Well, they were running from their extinction. And their, what was what was killing them off? Well, there there hasn't been much information on that, um, but it must have been pretty scary because at their peak, they were essentially major forces in the ethereal plane, the astral plane. Their expansion became so wild that they stopped the blood war. It's what's a blood war? Ah, uh, the war between. The eternal war between demons and devils. Oh, gotcha. Uh, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah. know I had a title to it. Yeah, no. It's it's the great part. It's what keeps angels uh, arrogant mm. in 5e. Okay. But they essentially believe that they are order to be brought, that they will bring order to the universe. So these, Every, are the, these are a bunch of, like, Cthulhu Darth Vader's, is what you're saying. Um, essentially. Lawful, lawful evil order hive mind and as far as they're concerned they're benevolent the best thing that they could do for you the highest honor they could give you is to eat your brain and to make you a part of them or to just turn you into i feel like that's like the second highest honor i feel like for them probably the highest honor would be uh turning you into one wouldn't it well i mean they do enjoy having thralls some even pick favorite thralls they'll give them things to do objects possessions to have when they're not working. If you are paying attention, that's going on in our campaign right now. There is a specifically powerful servant of a mind flayer that's got all this extra magic gear and psionic powers. Wow. Yeah. Sounds like a thrall to me. Uh, cannibal halflings. So we mentioned earlier this thing called Ceramorphosis, and I think we should really go over that. And I think Baldur's Gate 3, the trailer, does that, and it's freaking terrifying and super gross. But um, yeah, Liam, what what does that look like? What What is it? So Ceramorphosis is when they take a tadpole of the Illithids, which is a small fleshy creature that has a little tiny eyeball and teeth that come out of its mouth and it wraps around your eyeball and goes up to, I think it rests on your ocular nerve or maybe it goes all the way into your brain. And what is it, Dylan? Oh no, it goes all the way in. All the way into the brain. So it crawls its way into your brain and over the course of seven days, typically faster than that, but within seven days for sure, your the bones of your face will you'll first off get a huge fever you'll start to feel sick and i'm already feeling sick listening to this as the process actually happens it's rather rapid Uh your bones snap and deform and shift to take into account the new anatomy of tentacles now forming out of your mouth 
and Ugh. your head elongates to fit the new shape of your brain and you get this squid structure to your brain but your bones and your arms and your legs will also snap and become thinner and elongate and your flesh Body becomes reshapes. dark yeah. and purplish and becomes oily and you Slimy, uh, and you immediately get your powers and you are immediately one of the hive a a mind flare that is not given special treatment that is alive for a year is the same power and strength and knowledge of a mind flare in that same colony that has been given no special treatment and has been alive for 10 seconds. Oh, wow. Or one second, if we're going to take into account that turns happen, and I know that somebody's going to try to test it. Anything to add about that, Dr. Dillon? Um, well... Some of them do, it, they generally do go through a training process where they kind of condition a new, it's it's no different than raising a child, really. But oh, so uh, that's that's actually, I, I'm, I definitely misremembered that then. I thought that that was something that they were capable immediately. I think that they would definitely have baser instincts that they can go off of, but if you're talking about one being born, it's pretty rare for it to not be born in the context of a colony. Somebody would have to escape, and that once a mind flare has you, and they've put a tadpole in you, it's pretty much over. So, so what? A, what is what does a mind flare colony look like? Uh, lots of mind flares, and even more thralls. And they they like to uh, surround a giant brain in a pit that is called. Excuse me, what? Yeah, the elder brain is the hive mind of this. And they will literally put it into a like a bath-like pit, and the chosen uh, thralls will actually bathe it and take care of it. Well, let me guess. Let me guess. This, does this thing have tentacles too? Is oh it yeah, just it like does. a brain with tentacles. It can also you levitate. <laughs> and it's a CR fourteen creature, I think. Or it's something actually like that. housed with the tadpoles as well. Yeah. Because it sits there and it prunes them. Ones that it doesn't like, it just eats or it uses it for other experiments. So you got a oh. brain with a little, little four-legged shrimp. If, and if that's not bad enough for you, we will be getting into a future episode about this. The If they need a mobile command base and they're under great threat, an illithid colony will capture a dragon and instead of putting it through seromorphosis by putting an uh, tadpole in its eye the way it would normally that is actually that creates a I think it's called a brain stealer dragon then if they don't want that and they want the elder brain to have a base they rip the flesh open on the back of the dragon and they will stuff the brain in there and the tentacles of the of the elder brain will make its way out and pierce the brain of the dragon and now you have a fully psionically controlled Dragon with an elder brain in its back, and its breath weapon becomes this brine spray where it sprays out tadpoles. Okay, so now I think everybody really understands in the Beholder episode why I said tentacles are gross and mind flayers are disgusting. <laughs> this is why, and we really believe you should use these in your games for this reason because of how memorable they are, right? They definitely stand out. They have it. They have an alien Lovecraftian nature. I mean, they are aliens by basis of their the, origins. The non-trademarked name for them is Cthulhu folk. Ah, uh, uh, well, interesting. That makes sense. 
So what, what what else we got? So we got the base of mind flares. There you have it. So you said something about some gnomes, right? Oh no no no. There's we we haven't even gotten. We we'll get there. There's so much more. I think we need as a base before we get there. Dylan, you have a. I think you said dozens of pages of notes. So we know that they went back to before time started. We've been getting a little off topic, sorry. But we know that they went back to before time was being recorded. Sorry, not before it started. And before the abolists remember anything. So what have they been up to since then? Reestablishing the empire. Uh, For a while, they were incredibly successful. They took over, like I said, a lot of astral space, a lot of the ethereal plane, and many of the inner planes. It got to a point where one of the mo- one of the most common slaves they had were Gith. There was an uprising, as there had been many times, but this time they managed to take complete control and essentially make them an endangered species. Imagine going from rulers of multiple planes, thousands of crystal spheres if not hundreds of thousands what is a crystal sphere for our listeners at home a crystal sphere is essentially what a planet in the astral sea is wrapped in it's where your oxygen is it's what separates you from the astral sea and gives your planet autonomy essentially okay so they just had thousands of planets for for the layman at home essentially like me um and they were pushed back and their numbers became so small that they basically had to go into hiding. And that's their primary motive at this point is to hide. They are trying to rebuild their numbers. They've lost a lot of the technology. They don't even know how to make their ships anymore. It's gotten so bad. So we talk, you talked about some ships, I think, before. Maybe it's the first time you bring it up. They have really cool ships. Not a lot. Nautiloids? That's what I was about to ask. Wait, l- let me guess. Do they also have tentacles? Yes. You would be correct. They do have tentacles. It is on theme. It's like tentacles coming out of a conch shell, almost. They're cool. You can, again, see those actually in the trailers for Baldur's Gate 3. And we're going to keep plugging that because that's just so cool to be able to see visually play out. Um, but, yeah, the, the ships have tentacles. They can interdimensional planar shift and travel. They can travel between crystal spheres. That's cool. So, do they live out in space on those primarily now? Uh, well, if they're lucky. If they're some of the colonies that still have their nautiloids. So, they can't make them, but they don't even, like, have many? No, no. They're they're fairly fragmented at this point in their lore. uh, Especially with what's being printed currently. Um, and written Uh, so they primarily are just trying to gain more power at this point they stay in hiding they try to avoid the gith at all costs they will go they will starve themselves before they allow themselves to be found and wiped out again Uh, and that's a threat for every colony but while they do this they inhabit worlds you'll find them in the underdark they are not fans of sun something about a creature tantamount to uh, a squid or an octopus and not liking hot air kind of makes sense. And since they're from the future, they actually have a Mind Flayer newsletter with stock tips 
um, I highly, highly suggest you subscribe. Uh, you can you can find those tips at, at D20 Tower. Yes, please submit yourself to the hive mind because they all know those tips because they all know the same information. They're all being essentially think of a colony as the elder brain that oversees it. It thinks for everybody and looks after the long-term goals of the colony, which is mind flayers ruling the universe. Okay, so so I get eaten, it absorbs, like, my knowledge and my memories? They do. In fact, they get your memories. They get... Do they get my anxiety? Actually, they might if they ate enough people's brains with anxiety. They tend to take on the mannerisms and traits of their favorite food, and they're all picky eaters. You know, I would be really, really anxious if I felt tentacles going up my nose. Uh, if you guys that's see that's that the thing from, about it. What, what is is that D and D three point five that had that art? Like I've seen, I've seen art of mind flayers, just like all the orifices in your head are getting filled by tentacles. And but that's the great thing about them. They'll make sure that you think you're on the greatest vacation of your life and you don't feel any of it. I hope so. They're actually, they, they think they're sweet in that sense. They, they make you think you're on vacation on the nicest beach, having the best sex of your life. But really, it's tentacles in your face. And for some people, that m- those might same. be the same. <laughs> Crunch, crunch, crunch. Yeah, we were really disturbed, but we uh, were doing Google searches to see the keywords for this uh, episode. And Mind Flayers was first, but we weren't, we weren't going to tell you the next two. So they reproduce by putting humanoids through seromorphosis. We'll get into the in- interesting interaction that they have with only one humanoid in the form of gnomes, but... What do they, what's the purpose of some of the other ceramorphs that they make? Because you've mentioned this a couple of times that they, they have a bunch that they go through, but why do they go through the effort of turning other things that aren't going to turn into mind flayers? If you could make psionic monsters beholden to you that will protect you, fetch you food, and generally discourage anyone from bothering you. Oh, that sounds great. Wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, that sounds awesome. We talked about the Europhion in a previous episode. That's when they turn a roper into a mind flayer roper, illithid roper. And they actually don't get along with the with the Europhions well. The Europhions feel that they are the intellectual equals of the mind flayers, but get shunned because they're not pure like the others. I so I find it interesting that they can be part of the hive, but still but still not feel like part of the hive. I'm just saying, yeah, they'll, they'll definitely get so your anxiety. Have to pr- <laughs> anxiety. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. The, uh, what, what kinds of mind flares or the mind flare spawn? So other ceramorphs would be things like gnome ceramorphs, obviously, uh, obviously. Hey, if you know what it is, cute, cute little gnome squids. Yeah, the gnome squidlings sometimes. We'll get into them. But yeah, you have a a wide range of creatures. Um, There's something that looks like a purple worm, but it's actually just a grown... Tadpole. Tadpole. That's all it is. It's just a grown tadpole. It's a big one. You'd think it's a purple worm that had been turned into one, but that's the Neothelid. We have a whole encounter put together with this. That is a party killer of a creature. 
And it is also the box incentive mini in the Monsters of the Multiverse mini set coming out from WizKids. That's pretty cool. But what else? Interestingly enough, though, those only come about when a colony dies. Oh, that's awesome. Because yeah, we'll, we'll go, we'll go yeah. into that lore. I so I I, I read up on teaser. some lore of this, and uh, we I've developed a, a a party killer encounter for all of you high level DMs that just want to push the limits of how far your players can go. I mean, how badass they are. That's what I meant. But uh, what's another what's another example we've got for a couple of uh, ceramorphed monsters? Well, one we already talked about in a previous episode: a mind witness. A beholder going through the process of seramorphosis. Uh, we also have... You can find that in Monster IQ, all about the alien beholder. Also have what? We also have an Uchulan, which is what happens when you turn a chul into a seramorph. Oh, God, I know this, but tell us what a chul is. <laughs> Those are the... So, a chul is... What you get when you make a lobster an aberration. Essentially, think the nastiest looking quadrupedal crab you've ever seen with tentacles coming out of its face and it wants to eat you. And in, those tentacles can also paralyze you. Just as a general rule, anything with tentacles attached to its body in Dungeons and Dragons wants to eat you. I think that's a, right, that's a, hard, no, that's no. a hard and fast rule. No, no. Flumps. That is true. <laughs> Flumps are adorable, and they're also on. They're topical because they're also a psionic energy creature, but they're just a jellyfish that's super friendly. So, Dylan, what what else we got that are offshoots here? Well, we ha- there's also a deviant when it comes to lizard folk. They do not just turn into straight mind flayers. Uh, also, I should I should mention it's fairly well established that a, there's a preset of humanoids that will automatically turn into mind flayers and occasionally litharids but we'll talk about those later because those become the elder brain uh, and those, so, what, so what do lizard folk do? lizard folk become zakandi which doesn't change them as much as you'd think they just become lizard folk with tentacles either out of their face or the back of their neck uh, and they're pretty cool. They essentially, the moment they transform, they latch onto the nearest mind flare and basically fawn over it. They want to serve it. They're groupies. Violent groupies. The kind of groupies you send after your enemies. They, so they got your back. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Good. But we'll get into a bunch more variations in future episodes. But for today, what we've got up is I want to start with the gnome. We've brought it up a couple times, but it's got a really fascinating interaction where a gnome will usually just die, but it will freak, it can become a gnome ceramorph or a gnome squidling. So, what is a gnome squidling? I think, Brandon, you've got all of that info for us, right? So, it's when the process of turning a gnome into a mind flare goes horribly awry. The result is your gnome squidling. It's a deformed 
mind flare with weak spindling limbs and oversized tentacles. So it's got this big head and these big droopy tentacles and it still levitates to get around. It just kind of like pulls itself around with its tentacles, almost like it's almost upside down, which is such a weird concept. Which would make a nice wet slapping sound. Oh yeah. Mm, Yes. Uh, But yeah, these things look pretty gross. Very, very, very alien. Um, But yeah, they also, just like uh, Mind Flayers, they eat brains for sustenance. They are not quite as intelligent, though. Yeah, that's that is correct. So these things um, just if you want to take a quick glance at them, um, their their stat block, these guys are in Icewind Dale Rhyme of the Frost Maiden on page 303. Uh, But these things are look pretty weak. They have an armor class of eight. Yep. Eight and uh, 10 hit points. 15 foot movement speed. So already these things seem like really non threatening. If you're if you're attacking them, I feel like something went really bad. There's a creepy horror scene your DM's trying to set up or you're kind of a dick. Yeah. <laughs> well, you won't even find these in colonies. Mind flayers consider these things failures. They usually just they look like failures. They they spart them spartan eat them into the asteroid fields. Well, okay, so we don't need to go over the entire stat block, but there is one hilarious, adorable thing that they can do. I believe it's the last thing in their stat block. What is their, like, mind blast thing? They do mind tickle, which is <laughs> so cute. The, the squidling magically emits psychic energy in a 30-foot cone. Each creature in that area must exceed a DC-7 intelligence saving throw or take 1d4 psychic damage and be stunned until the end of its next turn. DC 7. DC of 7. So only the barbarian is in danger. Even then, barely. Yeah, well, 1d4 psychic damage. Bear totems can't resist that. Nope. And but I mean, level one, they're not. Oh my god, this yet. is this is a bear totem barbarian's uh, worst fear. It's just being surrounded by an endless <laughs> wave of squidlings. <laughs> but okay, so that's cool. So these are like the genetic deformity uh, that comes about from a failed genetic experimentation. Well, they have to do a ritual to even make a gnome ceramorph because they're not sure if it's because gnomes are inherently magical or if it's just their physiology, but they don't agree with the process. Okay, so gnome, So this is a failed gnome ceramorph. So, Brandon, tell us about the gnome ceramorph, and let me tell you, this is my new favorite art in all of D&D 5e. This little guy is a Adorable. He just looks like a mini mind flare. He's got like the evil cape and everything. He's and like pudgy he, mind flare. Yeah, he's like got the little grumpy eyes. But he's got this cute little laser gun, and he's just like he just looks so adorable. So he's just like a little a little purple tentacle gnome. Um, so the, this is the successful version of converting a gnome into a mind flare, and that's. Same thing, they're just inserting that little creepy eye shrimp that's just gobbling up their brain. Um, I don't I don't know why the, this, uh, the description here is kind of interesting. So for reasons unknown, ceramorphosis can go awry when a lithid tadpole is implanted in the brain of a gnome. So even the lore there is pretty vague. So you can do anything you want with that in your campaign. 
Um, but this deviation might be due to the quasi-magical nature of gnomes, which Dylan already talked about. So this thing is... So this thing just seems like fairly non-threatening, though. It has spell casting. It has brain eating. The, the laser pistol... 3d6 damage not too shabby what so what makes these things like Unique. fun f- fun flavor for your uh, campaign um it's got a laser pistol <laughs> yeah right <laughs> also it's is, it, is that common in spell jammer i don't know much about it it's the only thing i know about having a laser pistol um sure i'm sure something else exists that's the only thing i know about but it looks like a little glue gun and that's what makes it adorable on this guy so Dylan, what can, do you have anything more to add on these guys? I think it's really interesting that they're one of the only, I think they may be the only Ceramorph that has memories of themselves pre-Ceramorphosis. So these things are intelligent. They're intelligent. So these they're, are not like the other ones, the uh, squidlings are like intelligence of four or something. Oh yeah. No, these are these are just as smart as any other illithid. But there's no reason that they need to be as evil. No. They they like to tinker. They're still gnomes at heart. And it's kind of cool because you can do a lot more with that since there's already so many instances where you see things happen after colonies collapse. I'll tell you right now the punchline of the adventure that we're going to put out in the next episode because I hope this is enough to sink everybody in. Starts you at level one as a spelljammer's adventure and you'll make your way through a a a tinkerer's asteroid populated by gnomes that has gone silent and your benefactor sends you to figure out what happens you make your way through the mind flare that was there seems to have left you will find a dead gnome ceramorph and then eventually you'll find a small room overrun by gnome squidlings that won't attack you but will be confused and if you help them out and agree to agree to save them there will be a gnome ceramorph that reveals themselves as a survivor that was hiding and this I'm intending to set up as an NPC that your players get to have as a gnome tinkerer out in space but he's a gnome squid tinkerer like that is because he's so cute and squishy like you have to have him yeah and he's it's amazing and you could at that point the players will beg him for his laser gun don't let him see the laser gun so this guy, this guy looks like when you like squeeze him too tight, he, he makes the sound of like when a, when a, <laughs> like, a, like when a dog bites on a chew toy, like, like that, <laughs> like, like they're oh, just no. so cute, <laughs> but, but wetter. But oh yeah. Wetter. No. So that's the other thing. Oily. They're, 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 mm. They speak with a gooey accent. They speak with a gooey accent. With, with the gooey, gooey accent. He's a little guy, so he's got a little gooey accent and a high voice. Dylan. Not sure if I love it or I hate it, but we should we should do that with peanut butter next time. Actually, that might right. That might we sound that, a little better. Get that smacking sound. We're gonna do gooey voice ASMR. <laughs> no, the target market is for that, and I don't know if I want to know. So we got we got to diversify. We've got audiences. So we've got a. Uh, a cool setup for for you to hear about the gnomes more in the next adventure we're, we're going to talk about in the next episode. But we also want to talk about some of the... I'm going to just call them... I think I said it before. I'm going to call them the pets that the yeah, Mind Flayers yeah. like to make and keep around. 
because they've got a, a penchant for collecting rats and making them psionic, and they've got a thing for putting legs on brains, I guess? And tentacles on brains. They do a fancy psionic ritual, and then your brain busts out of your head. So With legs. Yes. Dylan Waterkeys. He's like the Kool-Aid man. The, br- the brain Kool-Aid man. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no is right. So, Dylan, what are these, like, these these rat creatures? The these cranium these, rats? These cranium rats. They are the result of rats being subjected to intense psionic energy. And over a long enough period of time, they gain some of the intellect of the Mind Flayers. Uh, this is just how you make the Hulk, but also like a variation of how you make you just pump a full radiation. You guys just don't realize psionic energy. You guys just don't realize that Charleston in our game is actually a bunch of cranium rats piled up to look like a person. You know, three, three goblins in a trench coat. He's as, just a, a rat swarm in a robot suit. I would be down. I would be cool with it. Let's so, make it happen. So these cranium rats are, uh, for the for those of you curious, these are in Monsters of the Multiverse. These are not your standard uh, monster manual. Um, so what what else can you tell me about these things? Like what what makes these guys interesting? Well, they're rats with telepathy, first of all, which is pretty cool overall, considering rats don't normally have the ability to talk. Like what are they what are they gonna say to me? Uh, it's like simple things. Like Hungry, a, bad. Hey, you scared. got any food? Well, if you whatever get a you no rat, whatever you want them to, because we've already proven in real world that rats are very intelligent yeah. and have complex society. I would. Yes, my good man. Do you have anything I might munch upon? I'd like the idea of they they've like formed clicks, and you can define the clicks for yourself, but not to the players. It's an imperceptible to the players, and you roll which click they're talking to. And if they're going to talk to one that's like the the preening hot click or there's like the outcast click of rats, because these are very real concepts that yeah, yeah. exist in rat society, like human society. Well, and then <laughs> when these ones band together, they get smarter. You get enough together to become a swarm, they go from four intelligence to 11 intelligence. The, be- the, the better the click, the better the intelligence. So the more popular are, the smarter you get. That's exactly. the point to take away, ladies. The more popular somebody is, the smarter they are. So just look, <laughs> just looking here at their stat block, like these things are kind of seem like they're a joke. You know, armor class of twelve, hit points two. They have a, literally have a challenge rating of zero. Like, I mean, the rats—they—they're just like topless rats oh yeah they're the top of their head is removed and their brain is showing and glowing so they they emit light at all times so like you can just that alone even if you just have like glowing rats you can use those in a lot of fun and creative ways in your campaign if you like when we talked about the mind witness maybe the mind witness is collecting information from all of the rats but the rats do the spying in the city and if you follow the rats enough and get your roles right, they'll lead you to the Mind Flayer base in this city that's being watched by a Mind Witness. You could bribe the rats. Yeah. yeah. Actually, Mind Witness gives you 300 feet of telepathy. That's a lot of range for a rat. That's a yeah. big, wide swarm of rats. And th- there's actually nothing that says that they are actually enthralled to Mind Flayers. They just get power from them. 
So they're used, but it doesn't say that you couldn't bargain with them. It's not like a thrall that you couldn't bargain with. Well, so yeah, I would definitely bribe the rats. But yeah, they're pretty cool. They are very and hungry. They also can't be divined. Is that correct? It's something. They have an ability that they can't be seen with magic. The, um, the they, rat is immune to any effect that would sense its emotions. Oh, just sense its, its thoughts as well as to, to all divination spells. So that's pretty cool. Like that could be fun. I mean, I don't know why you'd, you'd want to like scry on a bunch of rats. Well, I feel like that'd be a, like. Wouldn't you want to know where it goes when it's done watching you? Uh, I don't. No, what I if don't want to know that I'm being watched. No, what if you scry on the mind flare and you think it's alone, but it's got thirty swarms of cranium rats around it, and your party shows up expecting to fight one thing, and then there's swarms of rats because cranium rats are, I think, like a CR five or CR four creature. A swarm of cranium rats, anyway. An individual is a zero, but in a swarm, they're pretty yeah, powerful. The, yeah, they uh, have a CR of five. So, if, if you go that by be the useful. challenge rating system. Which, mm, eh, anyway. Um, but yeah, when, when they come together as a swarm, they, it, they not just become more intelligent, they become a little more formidable. Like, they're hit. Uh, so, the, the swarm, obviously, we, you know, we just said, like, these are stronger, but... Um, they come re- they're like resistant to a bunch of damage types which makes killing swarms awful um, so they, these things are resistant to bludgeoning piercing slashing that's kind of limiting a lot of options there on how you can get rid of them besides magic yep low level yeah I, I remember I remember in back playing Pathfinder the uh, our wizard summoning swarms on enemy casters for those concentration checks it's all the, the biting just made the concentration checks harder. So you, swarms could be pretty nasty. In the Salasta uh, video game, uh, which is pretty much the best D&D simulator video game, there is a spell, a cantrip actually, that they made called Stinging Bee or Annoying Bee, mm-hmm. that it's just a cantrip, but it just makes somebody have to make a concentration check against your spell save DC. And that's such a good cantrip, because that's actually really powerful. Just a bee? Yep. Or a swarm of bees? Yeah, that makes sense. But think about it, even at low level, if you're a level one wizard, your uh, spell save DC might be 13. To induce a concentration check for DC 13, you would have to do 26 damage. It's like the equivalent there would be cool. Anyway, I'm getting into the weeds, stupid stuff. Um, Okay, so cranium rats are pretty awesome. They glow. Swarms of rats glow. They can talk to you with their brain, but they're still rats. Also cast command, which is terrifying. Oh yeah, the swarm can cast command, which is hilarious. I do not want to be commanded by a swarm of rats. Thank you. I have nothing against those rats. Pardon me, sir. Will you give me that cheese in your pocket? (laughs) Give me all of your cheese. Oh, that would actually be powerful. Though. Give me all of your cheese, and then they have to search through their pack for cheese for <laughs> ten minutes. <laughs> Go with your cheese. <laughs> You're out of combat for ten minutes. Easy. So the next thing we've got up on the docket is the uh, intellect, intellect devourer. Excuse me. This is what they would have as. I, it's basically a brain dog. It's just a dog made of a brain with legs and a little stubby tail. That steals your intellect. And then teleports into your brain. And controls your body. Yeah. It's a good time. Yeah. So, Brandon, what's in the uh, what's in the books about intellect devourers? 
So Intellect Devourers, um, they're just a challenge rating of two, but obviously they do have a nice horror factor, um, even, they're, even though they're a low-level enemy. So they have an armor class of 12 and 21 hit points, a little bit faster movement speed of 40 feet. Oh, they, oh these things scurry. So they, they, they kind of... But, and it, this thing literally just looks like a brain with uh, big, big dog legs. Weirdest dog legs I've ever seen. Yeah, like fleshy dog legs. Yeah, like big, big, thick toes. Um, but yeah, they have the, this devour intellect ability that uh, I feel like could really ruin someone's day. So they target one creature within 10 feet if that has a brain. So um, I'm good. Um, but the target must succeed on a DC 12 intelligence saving throw against this or take 2d10 psychic damage. 2d10 is a lot for just a, you know, level two party. That kills, that like, max damage, you can kill sure, anything. Sure, sure, but also, it does what else? But also, on a failure, roll 3d6. If the total equals or exceeds the target's intelligence score... That score is reduced to zero. The target is stunned until it regains at least one point of intelligence. Okay, so you know what a level 20 barbarian typically won't have? Um, An intelligence higher than eight? A family? A bonus to any of their intelligence saving throws. Yeah. So even at level 20, this thing thing punches up. This thing punches yeah. up in weight class all the way to level 20. This and shadows. Shadows do a similar thing, but they actually drain your strength. I do like that now, if you have at least an intelligence of 19, it can't yeah. steal your intellect. Yeah. You're going to have maybe one of those in the party. Whereas before, they used to just reduce your intellect. Yep. So yeah, if you get knocked unconscious around one of these things, it can literally just teleport inside your skull and you are gone. And then if you have got a cool player and a cool DM, they'll go, hey. He means me, Dylan. I want you to act out things like this. And I'll give you commands every once in a while, but you gotta you just... Because it doesn't say like it bursts your head open. No, it I teleports don't. in and it takes over your body. And it gains in that process all of your intelligence and memories and ev- Smells, everything knowledge. you knew. Yep. So this has some good role play value. This is this is like yeah. this is sort of like having a doppelganger take over a party member and like you 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 tell that player like hey just so you know you know this has changed and you get a good player that can role play that. So this kind of seems kind of similar. Oh yeah, this is this is a good one if you've got the right group. But also it is not really going to feel good for most players to watch something pop into their skull while they're sleeping and oh yeah kill their character and move on but if especially if you've got a player that's like i don't mind killing my character cuz i want to play something new i'm not really happy with it do what you want do this <laughs> so back back to that inca- level 20 barbarian you mentioned i'm just imagining like the the final boss fight and you have all the other players trying to kill this demigod or something you just have the barbarian running away from this just like a little pack of these things just scurrying <laughs> along afterwards <laughs> I, will, I, I will say though that uh, that saving throw has been I've used these in every campaign for the past mm, four or five years and genuinely have never had a player character fail the saving throw I know that's just coincidental luck yeah. but it being a 12 
it's not hard that's to not a 50 50 chance for most barbarians <laughs> no but it's still base 40 if you've got a flat intelligence yeah. so like everyone every time i have fielded one of these the group has gotten super lucky because mm-hmm. there was one when you guys fought the flesh warper in the last one and he was making abominations out of creatures there was one that no lie was hidden and attacked the group for four turns and out in the open everybody rolled and just it <laughs> it never got anything so i i actually didn't join the campaign when back when had the flesh warper i showed up when they walked out oh yeah and uh it was funny because i had i had no idea what was happening i just joined i joined like mid campaigns like session 20 something or and uh, these guys, I played this barbarian member of like a SWAT team and the party walked out of this, like what, a house in the middle of town sort of? Yeah, it was, covered a, it was a townhouse. And like some, some civilian got blown up in some kind of fire trap. Oh, so they locked a civilian in the building in a barrel because they wanted to come back and get him later, but they forgot about him and they were running on their way out and the building blew up. And so the building's on fire and whoever was inside got burned alive in a barrel. Oh, so that's like when you catch fireflies and you just forget to poke ho- holes in the lid and then you throw that off a cliff. Yeah, pretty right? much. That's, yeah. that's the same. So, so Dylan, what, like, where do these intellect devourers come from? Like, how are they tied to mind flayers? Obviously it has a brain. Like, do they eat these? Uh, no, well, I'm sure they could, but they're more useful to them not eaten since they can find brains for them. So is there, is there like a, a ranking of like bad brains to good brains or like smarter brains? Smarter brains are smart, higher brains are higher intelligence brains are more, uh, for the delicatessen in the, uh, in the mind flare community. Interesting. It, they can all be picky. Some of them pick races. Some of them pick lifestyles some of them pick age intelligence Mm. they all have specific palettes they're very refined creatures just because they want to take your brain doesn't mean that they don't know what culture is and don't want quality brain in the process just imagining if this this uh this like asteroid that does like assisted suicide and it's just a mind flare eats people's brains I could see a gnome. Dark. I could see a gnome ceremony doing that. I mean, yeah. being like, I have to use my powers for good somehow. Yeah. <laughs> if there's one way to go, you might as well have your brain eaten by a, an adorable little squishy guy. boy. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, anyway, sorry, I, I interrupted you. Where where do these things come from? How are they made? They perform a ritual on a body, and mind, mind flayers do this. Yes, mind okay. flayers. It's it's. It's a psionic ritual. Okay. They they essentially take a human, they'll carve its skull a little bit, oh. make it so that it's a little bit easier for the guy to get out. They perform the ritual, and then they pop it out, and there you go, you got a little dog brain. Oh, that's uh, that that's it. I so mean, is, is this is this like every mind flayer can do this? Like they just like if do they it. have the knowledge to do it. Yeah, it's actually a fairly common thing. They're there's no reason for them to not. They usually have an excess of thralls. It is the very first encounter of any variety that you can have in Baldur's K3. You can pull the brain out of a body, and if you mutilate it and make it dumb, it joins your side, and if you it catches you, it attacks you, and if you 
don't mutilate it, it turns its it turns on you when you find a mind flare. So why do these things exist? They're literally just servants of the mind yeah. flares. What 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 are these what can they like do for mind flares They're able to detect anything sentient or for another way of saying anything above intelligence three and know where it is and sense it and be able and to they're very out. stealthy oh so these so you said these are like the dogs so these these literally are like kind of sniffing yeah. out intelligence and they're hunting yeah oh okay that's cool they're they are the bloodhound of brain matter fetch boy yeah so they're uh fantastically evil little creatures between those and the cranium rats, you've got you could have a, uh, a like a crazy cat lady, but vibe, yeah. but like <laughs> it, it, but, as, but but like crazy brain lady with tentacles. Yeah, exactly. Tentacles. So we've only got one more monster today for everyone. This is these are all going to be used in our next episode and the adventure that we've got planned for you guys. But we wanted to talk about this one just because it is really useful as a low-level encounter when you're dealing with a Mind Flayer campaign. They're not Mind Flayers. They are thralls. They don't have their... They're not Ceramorphed, nothing like that. They're called Grimlocks. They are CR, what, one quarter? They're blind and dumb. But, Brandon, I'll tell you more about that now. Yeah, so... uh the Grimlock here is, um, it's, it's in the monster manual, but it's introduced in the basic rules um, in, uh, on page 318. So the Grimlock is, um, it's, a, it's just a medium humanoid, armor class 11, 11 hit points. Um, yeah, but what's interesting is it's blind, but it also has stone camouflage. So it's a, it is advantage on, on stealth checks in rocky terrain. So even though this thing's blind, this thing is made for surprise rounds. This this thing, I mean, they're weak, so they're not going to do a, a ton of damage. They they have a a, a wrench and spell jammer or a spike club if if you're in Faerun. Um, so it sounds to me like they're kind of meant to be subterranean. Yeah. Like they they want to be in the dark underground in tight spaces so they can jump out and attack you when you can't see and they can because they don't at all rely on light. These these are the creatures from the old classic uh, the time machine. Um, I don't, they they did a movie uh, movie about that in the early two thousands. Uh, what was that guy's name? Um, he was also in uh, Count of Monte Cristo. I can't, I'll come up with his name later. But the, yeah, so these things uh, prefer to come out at night. Well, they're native to the Underdark. They like it down where it's cold, wet, and there's not a lot of people around. I mean, unless they need food. But and so, and so for like low-level encounters, these things are like very flexible because they're they're incompetent in many ways. They're not going to have a good, an easy time hitting your players. Um, so you can use these to just kind of introduce combat to a new group, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I like that you said that they're kind of dumb and incompetent. We're going to showcase that in the bridge encounter in the next 
in the next in the next episode. Like these but, things kind of look like little ogres. Yeah, right? they're just kind of like their skin's a little too flabby. They got the the jowls and a big old mouth and kind of frizzy hair, gray skin. And we bring them up because they've basically been servants for mind flayers for as long as anybody's been calling them Grimlocks, as far as the lore says. They are nasty little humans humanoids. That, humans that went into the Underdark, and the Underdark's not a particularly nice place. Or in the case of Spelljammers, I really like the idea of it being humans literally from an entire, like a whole planet of people that got enslaved and just beaten down over generations and now it's just a planet of Grimlocks and it's just savage backwards Mad Max style but dumber your, your players can only get enough experience for like it maybe to get to level 2 by killing that whole planet yeah pretty sad <laughs> pretty sad oof. <laughs> big oof Big oof. See, I'm really looking forward to... We've designed... uh, We brought these uh, Grimlocks into our um, adventure design that we're going to be doing in our next episode. Um, We'll introduce Grimlocks and each of these creatures that we've gone over. We'll kind of build them into a little story for you to use in your game or just, you know, steal from however you want. Use however you want. We encourage that. Please use our stuff. Um, Want this to be fun for you. We just want want to inspire you with the ideas that we've had sitting around talking about the cool ways you could use some monsters and we'd love to hear about how any of you have used these monsters in the past or want to use them in the future if you have anything you want to let us know you can reach out to us on instagram or twitter at d20 tower or you can reach out to me personally at liam at d20 tower.com and otherwise thanks for joining us Thank you, Dylan, for joining us again this week. Appreciate you, bud. No problem. Thanks for having me on, guys. It's always nice. Your vast arcane cryptozoological knowledge is a wonderful resource to pull from. I know that we didn't get into as much of the lore as you are prepped for today, but we'll be pulling... We're going to do this as a long series, so we're going to be pulling that lore in as we go, and it'll kind of help introduce it to the uh, audience like we would to our own players in a campaign level by level, little bit by little bit we'll unfold this awesome story with epic space squids for you but thank you for your help in getting all that information out today well, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the stranger things about mind flares this is D20 Tower and we will see you guys next time stay safe out there Thanks so much for listening. You can find us anywhere podcasts go to adventure. So like, subscribe, and give us five stars on your favorite podcast platform. You can follow us on Twitter at D20Tower to find out when we're posting new episodes. Or toss a coin to these casters on Patreon. Again, that's at D20Tower. Until next time, game on, Pod Goblins. 